Welcome back. It's Howl History again. This is Derek and Chad here with you, and we are uh, we're here to discuss the Timberwolves as we head into NBA Finals season. Chad, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. We got to hear our first words from our new Pobo. Uh, saw today that Denver finally promoted Calvin Booth to fill his position. They, I think they called the Timberwolves desperate, which is kind of, a, I don't think that's as much of an insult as I think it is. They did? I didn't see that. Yeah, Cronky uh, Josh Cronky said that uh, desperate teams come out and try to make plays for their front office personnel. Okay, so that's it, kind of a, it's just a weird statement. It's like, okay, so you're saying your right your you, Pobo wasn't any good, and desperate teams wanted him because he was no good, or like it's just it's just weird. It's kind of a it's a backhanded compliment in some ways, right? And it's I don't know. That's yeah. weird. That's the really the, weird the quote from uh, Mike Singer, which is M Singer or at M Singer, said Kroenke said perhaps the front talent, the front talent, I'm assuming he meant front office talent he's had here was maybe too good because of guys he's had poached. Inferred quote unquote desperate clubs might be willing to make outlandish offers and reiterates they made a very competitive offer to Tim. But it's like who. If the owners can spend the money, as we've talked about before, and there's no salary cap, why wouldn't you want your team to be desperate to acquire and retain the best yeah, I mean, talent? If I'm him, I'm taking credit for, like, for sure they've done a great job at hiring their front office people in Denver, right? Like, that's why teams are coming after them. However, they have been pretty cheap at what they pay. Like, they weren't paying Conley at the level that he should have been paid anyway, which is the whole reason why he even entertained discussions with the wolves. Like, so it's, that's yeah. kind of weird to me. They could have you stopped know. this before it even started. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just, I don't, I mean, Conley said as much in his presser here is that, you know, he loved Denver, loved the city there. They had both the, both their kids were born there. It's a also like Minnesota, a very good place to raise a family. So it's, you know, at least we have that going for us. Um, maybe, maybe a bigger city or a um, a different part of the, the country. Maybe he isn't as, you know, open to, to moving out of Denver, but Minnesota is very similar to Denver in that way. Um, but you know, if you're Denver, like, come on, you're not very competitive in these positions. Like, yeah. you're really good at identifying these people. You're very poor at retaining them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not that they had to give him an $8 million year offer and equity in the, in the company. They could have extended his deal a year ago. For another right. five years at $6 million a year, which would have been a 50% raise instead of a 100% raise. Right. And he wouldn't have even been talking to the Timberwolves. So, I mean, weren't, weren't the Wolves paying Flip Saunders $5 million a year to yeah. do this job? It, how many years ago? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, $8 million's a lot. But if you shit, I mean, if, if you heard John Kay come on on his podcast, there are five or six other presidents of basketball operations also making that amount of money. He's right, not leading right. the league. This isn't, you know, this isn't like a Tyreek Hill wide receiver getting you know, $32 million a year. You know, he's not breaking the mold here. It's it's not like the deal you gave Gary Harris where you overpaid yeah. him. You know, like, it's just weird. I don't know. Anyway, that's kind of annoying. Yeah, they're bitter. It's it's a team I like, so I'm a little bit more perturbed. I think, like, if it was, like, uh, Golden State saying it. Like, mm-hmm. when all the all the, the crap that Golden State says about the D'Lo Wiggins yeah. trade. Yeah, Whatever. I don't... You guys are a bunch of doofuses. Like, I like. You, you're, they're very good at running an organization. I'm not saying that, but they're annoying. They're like not people like I, I like Steve Kerr and I respect the hell out of him as a coach. Yep. But their front office, like I just think they're kind of arrogant and you know whatever. I don't care for them, so I, it doesn't bother me when they say the kind of things they do about the Wiggins Delo trade. But 
Denver, I kind of had a higher sort of level of uh, respect for and uh, that's taken. Yeah, this is really my first experience with the Cronkies. Like, I've you've always known who they are because they own multiple teams yeah. and they, they've got all the money in the world. But like to actually like I didn't know the history with Ujiri and them not paying him in the first place until this whole Connolly thing came up. And now that they're they shortchanged him and he left and. You know, Connolly and Josh apparently are, you know, best friends. They had a great experience together. They just weren't willing to pay him. So it's right. it's just interesting to to see how they're working and that they're not taking the high path and just focusing on Calvin Booth here. And they're yeah. still focused on the offense. That's why I, I, I would have been playing it a completely different way if I was them. I would be like, yeah, we like we think the world of Conley and, you know, he he did a great job while he's here, but we're extremely confident in, in Booth. We feel like we have figured something out in terms of finding the right guy to run our organization. And we feel like we've done it again with Kelvin Booth. I wouldn't even have pointed out the desperate thing because now it's just going to be like, well, yeah. wait, Denver, you're the epitome now of a small market, small minded thinking team. Now that used to be the wolves. Right. But to me, you're, you're in the desperate chair now because the, yeah, the people that are invested in your team are angry at you for making yes. the decisions that you've made. Yes. They already know. Okay. We can't compete in talent, you yeah. know, Denver, because it's they're not a coastal team. They're very similar to Minnesota that way. The one thing that the Wolves ownership that has the fans, I think, excited or at least the respect of the fans is that the ownership, and this goes beyond A-Rod and Mark Lurie, is Taylor's always been willing to spend money in those. He hasn't made the right – he's he's been the anti-crunky <laughs> in terms of making the right decisions, but he's always been willing to spend. Yeah. And at least that gives your small market team one – aspect of this whole thing of being equal with the other big market teams you know right so and Connolly came in he had his uh introductory press conference this week there wasn't a whole lot newsworthy from there there never is i mean sometimes guys come in you know they, they want to give the sound bite you know rosas talked a lot about family you know i'm sure tibbs talked about how he had spent his time away from the game and he had completely changed who he was as a coach over the his his year sabbatical um Connolly came in and he just kind of said, you know, I can't tell you what I'm going to do. Anything I would say today is just going to be a soundbite. I don't have a plan. I'm just trying to, you know, we have less than a month until the draft, just trying to get into the meeting rooms here and figure out what, what's moving forward and then eventually start to put my fingerprints on it. So there wasn't a whole lot to, to really parse from it. I think it we all knew pretty early that it was going to be a little you know, a little bit of a farce once A-Rod said that Glenn Taylor started the whole process and they just jumped on board, but... That was so awkward. I know. It was awkward for Taylor, too. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was... It's like, Taylor's already kind of an awkward guy in those press conferences. It's like, why would you even make it... Like, maybe maybe huddle up and, you know, (laughs) discuss what you're going to talk about before you go out there. Because it was just kind of weird. Because A-Rod and Mark Laurie actually, I think, present pretty well in those situations. But that was a weird moment. (laughs) It was. I tweeted. I mean, my first tweet when watching it was that three owners is too many hour owners. Like, yeah, it's just awkward with all three of them up there. It's going to be awkward even with two of them up there moving forward. But at least they're well, they're going to be partners. And it's it's always been a little bit weird to me with the Mark Laurie A Rod thing because A Rod's got like a pretty small chunk of yeah. money invested, but he's got the bigger face. So like he's the he's the he's, celebrity owner. He's the celebrity yeah. owner. So he's got like an equal footing despite yeah. having a very small amount of skin in the game if that makes sense you know so it's it's comparatively mm-hmm. you know to like what mark laurie or certainly glenn taylor yeah and the, the other awkward thing is always like the throwing in becky taylor which is a fairly new thing it hasn't always been glenn and becky yeah over the course of this franchise and 
I'm not, this isn't a comment to whether or not she is deserving. It's just weird. It seems so forced Yeah. because it's never just the Taylors anymore or Glenn Taylor or whatever. It's always Glenn and Becky Taylor or Becky and Glenn Taylor. <laughs> that just seems like, when did that start? It's just a weird, um, I don't know. It's weird. Like maybe it's more important internally than I realize it just, but it just seems like unnecessary. <laughs> right. It's like I said, not much to take from it. Well, he'll, We'll have to parse everything from his actions, not what he would say at an introductory press conference. So, um, not a lot there. Other than that, news news wise, there hasn't been a whole lot. I think uh, Adam Sandler's new movie is coming out soon with Wancho and and uh, Anthony Edwards. So I'm looking forward to watching that. He is a. Uh, I listened to him and Bill Simmons on the Bill Simmons podcast this morning. So they talked for a while about the the new movie and had nothing but good things to say about Anthony Edwards. So that was fun. Um, I'm excited for that movie as well. I mean, I saw that. I've watched the trailer probably five or six times because I've either yeah, shown yeah. somebody else, like shown my son, whatever, um, shown my wife. She didn't care. Um, but I like it looks like a pretty it looks like everybody that's in it from a basketball player standpoint does a pretty decent job. Like, yeah, they're pretty career. legit. Yeah. He looks like he's a decent actor, you know, like. Yeah. Sandler said he was super happy with how he turned out, how it turned out and that everybody wanted like they wanted to be there. They got acting lessons while they're there, proud to deliver the lines and everything like that. And he, just, he had nothing but things to say about Wancho, too. You know, Simmons said, I want he's like, I watched this and now I want Wancho back on my team. Like where he's got to have a spot in this league, you know, but it's just kind of we we had our Wancho experience. I don't I don't need another one. But yeah, I like I still like Wancho. I still think he had I, th- I still think he has a chance or a spot somewhere in, the, in this yeah. league because um, I I think the year his f- full season here was a little bit derailed partially because of that movie, mm-hmm. because he had come off filming it and he wasn't in shape. And it's weird. You look at NBA players and you see, even if you see him in the summer, you're like, oh, well, that's kind of overdone because like how out of shape do they ever really get? These yeah. guys are all like ridiculous athletes in incredible shape all the time. But you hear like I watch it's become the new Joe Rogan podcast for me. The JJ Reddick podcast is like my new go to podcast and I listen to it every every episode. What is it? Old and, Man and the Three? Old Man and the Three. And yeah. He had it's very heavy basketball, obviously. Yeah. He had Ben Stiller on recently, which was also funny and not a ton of basketball. But, um, but it's amazing how many of the players talk about how important getting back in game shape is, and how it if they're not in game shape when the season starts, how it derails oftentimes their whole season. And you know, we we saw that with Ricky Rubio that same season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Wancho, when you're talking about a guy who's on the fringe of even being a competent role player and then your season's derailed because you came into camp out of shape for whatever the reason is, whether you were sick with COVID or doing a movie or whatever the reasons are that guys show up out of shape or just lazy, which I don't think Wancho was. I don't think it was just a laziness thing. I just think he was distracted and or prison. Yeah. I think it, yeah, (laughs) I think it derails our season. Like that's another really good example because Beasley was, you know, awful to start the year Mm -hmm. and for, you know, for at least half the year. So it's interesting, but anyway, so happy for Wancho. I can't wait to to see the movie next week. I didn't, I saw you tweet about listening to that podcast. I didn't, I don't listen to Ben Simmons, Harley, Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons. (laughs) I I hardly ever listen to that's why. See, Oh man, I wish Ben Simmons had a podcast. That would have been a joy. Yeah, it would be fun. Um, But I don't listen to him like I used to. And like, I I don't even remember the last time I have listened to it. It's been probably a year. so it's I miss a lot of that stuff, but I'll check it out. Oh man, breaking news! Uh, Timberwolves related. 
Orlando Magic executive Matt Lloyd is finalizing a deal to become the senior vice president of basketball operations with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So that's hmm. according to Adrian Wojnarowski, just came over the the wire. Uh, it's the first time we've ever had breaking news on the podcast, although I can't really uh, say anything about it because I don't know who Matt Lloyd is. <laughs> but uh, we'll no. have to dig into that and we'll talk maybe a little bit more about Matt Lloyd next time. It's nice to see that they're not bringing him in at um, a GM level. I know that was kind of a rumor, you know, one of, one of the worries, you know, what are they going to do? He wants to bring in somebody that he's familiar with. Um, and is it going to push Gupta out? Is it going to make Gupta less valuable? I know that Gupta is executive vice president and now Lloyd is a senior vice president. So who knows what that means? I would assume Gupta is still number two uh, in that chain of command. And if, you know, as we talked about in previous episodes, if he can eventually get a promotion to up to general manager or something to stick around, that'd be nice. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll find out more about Lloyd when we come back. Um, for our next episode but today we are continuing our competitive analysis of the nba and we are looking at the southwest division of the western conference we finished the eastern conference go look at our back at our uh, last three episodes if you're looking for the central atlantic or southeastern divisions uh so today we are covering the houston rockets the san antonio spurs the new orleans pelicans the dallas mavericks and the memphis grizzlies so we'll see if we can uh, identify anything in on their rosters or anything any uh, weaknesses that we can take advantage of as they continue into their team building and the, the goals that they have uh, that might benefit the Minnesota Timberwolves. So Chad, before we really get started in, onto any of these teams, is there anything, anything, any big themes that stuck out to you as we start looking and as we've continued this exercise? I mean, the biggest theme is that it's pretty hard for the Wolves to make any meaningful deals with most of these teams because yeah. the teams at the bottom of these divisions are, they have more players in that five eight ten million dollar range um and very few higher end players Mm -hmm. and then the teams at the top end of the divisions have a couple super expensive players and then a bunch of guys in that two three four five million dollar range um so it basically means every team has only got one or two guys that they can trade with any given team (laughs) if it's a straight one team for one team trade yeah um so it makes it really complicated to, to get anything that matches up that a matches up from a salary standpoint but b and probably more importantly matches up from a need or fit standpoint after you're able to match salaries so i i had a tough time finding deals that made sense or would even work let alone whether or not i would do um for any of these teams but yeah i was able to find deals that work that that was never really the issue for me it was we need to get into the longer conversation of does it make sense for the Timberwolves? Right. I mean, yeah, you can always yeah. find like a trade in the trade machine that just works on yeah. numbers. Right. It's just you're. I'm not trying every trade. I'm only trying the ones that like. Okay. Well, would they have an interest? Would we have an interest? Yep. And does it make sense? You know, kind of deal. It just depends on how many sets of beer goggles you need to be wearing to <laughs> to enjoy that trade. So let's let's bring it to the Houston Rockets. All right, they are coming in with an kind of an awkward point guard position. They tried to use Kevin Porter Jr. a lot there last year. I don't know if that. Uh, is a long-term answer, especially with uh, Josh Green, a shooting guard who they just drafted number two overall. John Wall is technically still a member of the Houston Rockets, although I doubt we ever see him actually suit up for them again. Uh, he didn't suit up for them last year, even though he was apparently healthy and was uh, included in a lot of trade rumors, specifically for Russell Westbrook. So I'm sure they are trying to do everything they can this offseason to find a trade for him before they work on a, a contract buyout for the last year of his deal. I don't think there's going to be anything that makes sense for the Timberwolves, since I think you'd have to trade D'Lo and Beasley for John Wall if you really wanted to add him to the roster due to his uh, exorbitant salary. 
Um, like I said, they have Green at shooting guard. They still have Eric Gordon. He's kind of the the last holdover from the the James Harden days. Um, still a good guy off the bench, but um, not necessarily part of their future plans. Uh, Garrison Matthews, Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood is a guy that we've talked about in previous episodes. Alperin Shangun, um, Usman Garuba was a guy in a draft I liked a couple years ago. Kind of a, a project guy. Um, anything that stands out necessarily for you, Chad, and in, in what they need and what you would do if you're the Houston Rockets looking forward, where'd you be looking to to help the Rockets? If I, if I was yeah, what, what what do you think they want? What what could be? I think they're they're like the Wolves. They're probably the only team in the league smaller than the Wolves. Yeah. I mean, they have no seven footers on their team. Um, Shingun is their best or the biggest player, but and and I like him, mm-hmm. but he's not going anywhere. I mean, he was their you know, one of their picks last year and their only, their only big guy on the team. Um, so if I'm the Rockets, I'm looking for size, which is problematic because in terms of how right. it pertains to the Wolves, because we're also looking for that's, size. That's my primary wish yep. for them as well. So um, luckily for know, them, they do have a high draft pick. So they're going to get one of the three power forwards coming out of, at the top of this draft. So they will add size that way. Whether or not that makes one of their current bigs available is TBD. Yeah. I, overall, so far, of all the teams we've sort of gone through, this is the biggest mess of a roster. <laughs> it's, it's, I think I've looked yeah, at. Yeah, nuts. Yeah, they got a bunch of weird combo guards. No, I mean, you, yeah, they have John Wall, but um, they don't really have a point guard. Yeah, they need a point guard. I would put that at the top of the list of needs for them. And they have, and their shooting guys are both undersized. Um, I, you know, I like Kevin Porter Jr.'s game. Um, he's not a guy I think would make sense for the Wolves because he's going to be another ball dominant guys, you know, similar size to, to Ant in terms of height and he's skinny or smaller, or he's, he's basically D'Lo size, um, as a two guard. So Mm -hmm. he's not, he's just not a good fit for the Wolves. I don't think, but he's a, he might be a guy, a sneaky get in terms of talent for what you have to give up. Right. Like I think he might be able to give up less talent to get back. Porter, who it would be a better talent than what you're giving up. It's just it's it's kind of like a poor man's Levine situation where while I would like to have Levine on the team, he doesn't fit because of his position and what our other needs. That's how Porter is, but Porter's not as good as Levine, so right. he's not. Yeah, he might not be worth the squeeze anyway, even if even if you are giving up far less in return. Yeah, would you even trust Porter at this point over um, Jalen Noel? Um, I think it's an, I think I would, I think I'll say it like this. What I trust is a weird word because I actually think no, Noel is more trustworthy, but I think Porter has a higher ceiling. So if that makes sense, I would take the gamble because I think Porter has a chance to be a star in this league. I, I think that highly of his talent, but I also think he's kind of a knucklehead and his fits problematic. So whereas Noel, neither of those are a situation. Noel I think fits better because he can he scores in different ways than Porter does. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't think Noel's ever a long term starter on a playoff bound team, and I think he understands that he knows his role, so he's not going to be like disgruntled by playing like. And I think this will be the other theme when you that was your first question about this fit and role is so important in the league. I mean, we're seeing it with Wiggins and Golden State. We we talked about that not to rehash that conversation, but. It's not that Wiggins is a better player individually. He's just in a better p- position for what his skills offer. Like, and and to his credit, the one thing he has improved upon is he's improved upon his shot selection. But part of that's because the shots he's getting 
are more obviously good shots to take mm-hmm. because the gravity of Steph and Clay and even Draymond of pulling defenders away from uh, makes it easier. So it makes it takes away some of the decision making away from Wiggins, which was always to me the more problematic part of his game with Minnesota. That, but that's a crucial thing, fit and and role on a team, and whether depending on how the team is constructed around that those players or um, what you're expecting of them, like are in the pecking order, are they the first option, second option, third option? Like in Wiggins's case, he was always the first or second option when he was in Minnesota. Other than that one Jimmy Butler year, he wasn't a first or second option kind of a player. Um, and I think Kevin Porter Jr. would see himself as a first or second or at worst case, third option, Jalen Noel doesn't see himself in that way. And yeah, just having a guy on the team that recognizes his role and is comfortable with it to me has more value. But again, I think the price for Porter would be low and I would take a shot if the price was low enough and see what you have. And I mean, you can always trade him down the road or let him walk. Um, and he's not a, an expensive piece yet. So yeah, I think uh, I think your comp of Zach Levine is pretty good for Kevin Porter Jr., especially as a as a young guy who's being who's technically a shooting guard, being asked to play point guard on a bad team and continue to lose through that process, but just kind of adding skills. Um, that's you know it's kind of what Flip did with Levine at the time. Um, so there's, as you said, there's a lot of talent there. Um, if he ever came out and, and gave a quote like Noel did, saying that defense is how he's going to stay in the league. I, w- I might need a new pair of pants because I doubt that will ever actually be the case. Um, he's not a guy I really focused on too much in terms of uh, a Wolves target because, like you said, the fit just needs to be there. And the, and the Wolves, at, we're, once we finish all these divisions, we're going to have to see if we can just spend one episode coming up with three and four team trades because it's so hard trying to find one for one. Yeah, to uh, be honest, I found no. there was nobody on Houston that I came up with a trade for. There was nobody I wanted bad enough. I, I like Christian Wood. We talked about in the past again fit he's not the type of power forward i would want so i don't want to give up one of our salary assets that are in that range yeah which would have to be like a Beasley. now i would push come to shove i would trade beasley for wood essentially straight up if we couldn't find another move for him but it's not one i'm calling them every day to try to get them to do mm-hmm. and i don't see why like beasley's another guy that just fits into the rotation of undersized two guards that they have so Right, yeah. which is the same problem that we have, why we don't need Kevin right. Porter Jr. It doesn't match right. up. Right. So, I mean, they've got Wall that they're trying to move. They have Christian Wood, who's only got a year left in their contract um, and could be pushed out by their top draft pick this year. Eric Gordon, I'm sure for years we've been saying he's not um, long for that team, but he continues to hang on. He's the only, you know, P.J. Tucker's gone. James Harden is gone. Chris Paul is gone. They all got shipped out, and now it's just Eric Gordon left. But um, they do have pick 17, so if we're getting into the draft um, and, you know, with the Timberwolves sitting at 19, I could very well see a scenario where they want to leapfrog number 18 if the right player is, is you know, rumored to go there. So they offer, you know, 19 and 40 or something like that to move up to 17, but um, not nothing you do ahead of time. Um, as you said, there aren't a lot of trade uh, ideas there. If you wanted to go with Beasley, you'd have to take a look at Wood. If you wanted to go with D'Lo, you'd have to take a look at Wood and Gordon. Um, to combine the, the contracts there. Neither player that I would be uh, dissatisfied with having on the team. Um, I think, the, as we've discussed before, the biggest problem with, with thinking through the D'Lo scenario and whether or not you trade him, whether or not you keep him, is do you think he'll be on the roster you know, a year from now? And even if you say, no, I don't think he will be, 
is what you get back in that trade worth more than the $32 million in cap space, you know, heading into next season? Would you rather have max space next off season or would you have rather have wood and Gordon? Uh, the space next year. I think, yeah, let's put it this way. I would no longer be on board with Conley. If he made that trade. Sure. That that's all down on that deal. I'd be, because I don't think Gordon has a fit a on this team. Mm-hmm. He makes a lot of money. He is, he's got more time left on his contract than Delo does. Yep. Um, I don't think he's as good as Delo by quite a bit. I think Delo's quite a bit better than, than Eric Gordon. Um, he does more things well that we need than what Eric Gordon would be able to provide. And you're sitting there with Gordon's, what is he, 34, 35? You're going to be paying him $18 million a year at when he's 37. I don't know. Thanks. Like, I think that move takes the Wolves opportunity of coming back to the playoffs out of the question. I, I think you're out of the playoffs for sure with that move. Yeah, and it, oddly enough, I could actually see them being more interested in somebody like Gordon if Rosas was still around because he very much described to the, I always need somebody between that 15, 17, 20 million dollar range. So I always have a trade ship, even if it's at the expense of having cap, cap space. He always and wanted I, those guys. I, I agree with it uh, to that extent. Yeah. If in a in a vacuum, Rosas being interested in Gordon for that situation, Rosas isn't giving up D'Lo for Eric Gordon, though. You right. Know, it would be, it would be similar to the... James Johnson for Ricky Rubio and Ricky Rubio for Terry Prince. Yeah, it'd be Beasley in something for Eric yep. Gordon. That's just to just question. to roll that money over. So yeah, I would rather have Eric Gordon than Malik Beasley for next year. But I don't want to like if it was just talent for talent. This gets back to our last discussion on the last episode where we talked about whether like when you're talking about the salary attached to it and mm-hmm. how many years left and and that kind of thing. And, and Eric Gordon's he's an older player. Yeah, you know, like I I just think. There's too many, um, there's too many negatives on his side. Not because of him, him as an individual or as a player. I just think by the time the Wolves are competing for anything, where Eric Gordon is at his peak value for us, he's probably talking retirement. Yeah. Like it's it's two or three years down the road, so it's the last year of his contract at best. And I don't think he's going to be offering you much. And I mean, he's, I don't think he's offering it as much now. It's he's not the same Eric Gordon he was, you know. Right. The last time we played Houston in the playoffs with Jimmy Butler, like it's a different, different kind of player now. Yeah. Even if he could still be that, it might be at 20 minutes a game. It's not going to be as your starting shooting guard. So, um, no, I mean, like I said, I see value in him, but even if you, even if you considered him better than Malik Beasley, even long-term, or even if you said, uh, the value is fair in, in a D-low for Wood and Gordon trade, I, I'm not willing to give up the flexibility next year for that package. That's not, if they... If we get to next year and the best they can come out of it with is signing Christian Wood as a free agent and then making a, a trade for Eric Gordon, like, sure, we got to that point next year, but it's not it's not something that I'd be interested in going all in for right now. Yeah, I, there would be never a point where I'd be panicked enough to, I'd just let D'Lo walk and yeah. get nothing back before I would take those guys on. Yep. I, yeah, and if D'Lo walking still, you know, if we were a, a luxury tax team and D'Lo walking meant that you just lost that salary spot, you know, kind of the state that Golden State was in with with Kevin Durant, like they needed to trade him for that salary spot just in case they could trade that salary spot again in the future. Like, then I would be more urgent to just trade him for something just to keep that money rolling over. Otherwise, you lose it. But as 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 we've discussed, as Dane Moore and Britt Robson have discussed plenty of times, like they are going to have up to max cap space if they choose to next season. And if to just give up on that, 
is, you know, you'd need something pretty special. Guys that you would be willing to say, if they were willing to sign here for that money next offseason, we'd, we'd happily take that. And this isn't it. No. So, all right, that's Houston, uh, a tricky team. Another tricky team to trade with is the San Antonio Spurs. Um, they probably need a cornerstone big because they have Jakob Potl, but nobody else really as a as a starting quality big. Uh, they have Zach Collins, who's kind of been a guy that has shown, you know, people have been interested in in the past, but we saw what Cat was able to do to him. He's in a, not necessarily going to be holding down your, your front court long term or even starting next to Cat. Keldon Johnson has been playing a lot of power forward for them. That He was, you know, with Team USA last year, so he's a very valuable piece, but um, he's not necessarily like, He's not a, a 3-4 in the way that you think of, you know, a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard or some, you know, even a Jason Tatum. He's he's 6-5. Even a Jade even a Jaden McDaniels. Right. He's so he doesn't he's not like a 6-9 small forward power forward. He's a 6-5 small forward power forward. So it's not like if we're looking at trying to solve that power forward position, you know, he's not even as good as Keldon Johnson is and as much as I'd welcome him onto the Timberwolves, he's not making our lineup construction any easier. It's not, you know, it's not solving any necessary any glaring weaknesses and that's probably the problem with a lot of the the top level players that you'd see there too is you know Devin Vassell is a guy they'd never give up on but he's you know he's more of a shooting guard Josh Richardson is you know six four six five Romeo Langford isn't that tall if you really wanted Doug McDermott I'm sure they'd trade a Doug McDermott but I don't want Doug McDermott at 20 million dollars a year so and DeJounte Murray's not going anywhere so it's it's an interesting team. They got some nice players, but none that are going to put them over the top. They'll be fighting for the play-in again next year. And, you know, what what would they even have that would match up with the Timberwolves when the Timberwolves already have too many shooting guards? Yeah, I mean, that, that was another one in this group that I uh, really struggled to find anything that made sense. Um, you know, maybe if there was something around Portal and um, Richardson, because I still do like Josh Richardson as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he was coming back in a trade you know in that beasley spot yeah beasley would be going out so if it was i didn't i didn't even run this one so i don't even know how the numbers work out but it'd be you know probably beasley and um you know Jalen noel which i probably wouldn't want to give up right in this trade you know something in that range in order to make that work um they're nice enough players the other guys like you said they're star players for the lack of a better word Dejounte murray Devin vassell are kind of match up with the same positions we're deep at mm-hmm. um so, so you're you're gonna have to trade and so like even if you were able to get them for something that you're willing to give up you don't have a spot for them to play the same role here right um, yeah so i mean it would be interesting trying to you know for your the previous trade you brought up you know josh richardson's still at 12 and potals at nine so to get to 21 with beasley's you know 15 and a half you still need to include a mid-sized salary you know five six million dollars you know at that point, you're with what we have left on the roster. You're looking at Vanderbilt, and you wouldn't trade Beasley and Vanderbilt for Paul no. and and Josh Richardson. So, like, I get it. I would, you know, that it's similar to the deal that was rumored with Boston last year, back when we, you know, had aspirations of trading for Marcus Smart. You know, it was Josh Richardson and you know one of their small guards who ended up being Romeo Legford and his trade they eventually made for Derek White, but. Um, you know, so if you really wanted to to try to engage them on that, you could probably do Richardson and Langford for Beasley, the same offer that that Boston was going to offer. But I don't, you know, it doesn't get me excited. It didn't get me excited at the trade deadline. It doesn't get me excited now. Um, so you know, they they have to deal with the Lonnie Walker situation. He's going to be a restricted free agent this year, but he's kind of seen his minutes decline over the last couple of years as they've brought in other guys of the same ilk. You know, the Keldon Johnsons, the the Devin Vassells. They even j- drafted Josh Primo last year. Um, so he's 
not as big of a part of their future as he used to be. So they're and they're going to be, you know, salary wise, it it might not make sense for them to pay him long term. So I'm not sure if he'll be long there. But you know, they have they have picks nine, twenty, and twenty five. So maybe there's a way to trade nineteen and you know a future first for twenty and twenty five if there are two guys you really like. But I you know the like we said before, it's hard to talk about trading draft picks until you get to draft night. And you know who's going to be there, and you've actually taken a look at the prospects. So, um, like as like you said, there's not a lot of matches, you know, with San Antonio. And once again, because they just they have a lot of smaller guards on their roster, and it's hard to you know use that as a template for a trade for Minnesota. Yeah, they have. I mean, and they're bigs. You know, they're either like. Zach Collins, I could see them mm-hmm. ready to part with, but I don't know. He he might be a, a guy that if you run out of big options over the course of the summer, you you, you go back to again at seven million dollars. What do you have left to give up to get him? Yeah, um, you know it, it's just it's so it's so tricky with the way the salaries are of the haves and the have-nots in terms of uh, like the teams at the bottom of these divisions. You know they have a bunch of mid-range players mm-hmm. in terms of salary. And the teams at the top have a couple really expensive players and a really cheap players, so it's really hard to find a dance partner here. Would you do would you do Beasley for either Langford and Collins or Langford and Podal? I probably would. Just I mean, I I would have to see what other uh options are out there for Beasley over the course of the summer. Yeah. But if that's the one that is left and the only one out there, I would I would probably do that just because how else are we going to get a big? I like this is where you and I have differed on a lot of these discussions. It's on the D-low front. I just there's not a big out there that I've been able to think think about that I would trade D-low for. Mm-hmm. I'd rather the D-low walk than to take back a best right now. If you know Atlanta comes calling on Jason Collins, they wouldn't for D-low because John Collins. Got, or yeah, that's a Jason. <laughs> yes, another another NBA name from yeah. wrong. Um. For John Collins and you know, but they already have Trey Young and you know they're not going to. I don't yeah, know that D'Lo makes sense there. Yep. So I, that's not going to happen. But that's one player I would. Um, but I'm not going to trade D'Lo for a 30 year old power forward. Yeah, I just yeah. like it, it, it makes our window narrower, and we're already not close enough to make that kind of a move. So you know, it's it's tricky. Yeah, I'd probably do it for Langford and and Potal. You you might have to twist my arm to do it for Langford and Collins. I don't know if I've seen enough out of either of them to trust that they're even going to be in the rotation by the end of the year, let alone significant contributors. Uh, whereas Potal, you know, you know, would have a role, but it's also going to depend on them having a finding another big because he's literally their only right. quality big. So, and I I like both Collins Potal probably better than you do. Um, I when you use the word significant role, that's where you lose me because I don't yeah. think they'd have a significant role unless you mean significant is. 20 minutes a night of backup big minutes. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. So I think they could both fill that role because they both give you something different than what Nas Reed gives you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think they would, they could fill a need. There might be games. They play six minutes, right? But there might be games. They play 28, 30 minutes as well. So, um, and, and Beasley's the one guy I'm more willing to give up Beasley for less right now because of guys like Jalen Noel. I think Jalen Noel can play a bigger role than he has been afforded so far. Yeah. And I think if, if things go the way I'd like to see him go, Beverly will shift back to the bench, which just kind of, it kind of moves all the guard positions 
down a chair, right? Like it, it opens up more opportunities for other guys outside of the guard rotation. And so if it's D'Lo and Ant as your starting guards and you have mm-hmm. Beverly and Jalen Noel, you still have a McLaughlin and, you know, other guys that can play that, those, that like fringe guard position that most nights they won't even play. So, because they're outside the 10 man rotation. Yeah. No, I hear that. So if we do need a big and Beasley's probably going to be the avenue used to get that once again, it like, and another reason why I'd lean Potal over Collins, not that anybody else wouldn't lean Potal over Collins, but he only does only have one year left on his contract. So if you still wanted to keep the well dry for next off season, you could, whereas Collins would, you know, carry seven and a half million dollars into the following season and, and eat into that cap space. Not that you couldn't move him. Um, but uh, it's important to continue looking into the future. All right, so that brings us to the New Orleans Pelicans. It's a team that struggled through the first half of the year, but Willie Green kind of got them under control, started playing some more rookies, and uh, as they made a couple of deals and found some health, they, they really found a groove towards the end of the year, and they're going to be a team that is competing here with the Timberwolves, whether for a play-in spot or technically a playoff, playoff spot if uh, Zion comes back healthy. So, uh, Chad, anything while you're looking at their roster that, that really stands out to you, not necessarily for the Timberwolves, but you know that pieces that you like, pieces that you don't like, or things that... You know, you see when looking at the Pelicans roster. I I, I like the roster as a whole. Um, they're not they don't have like that high end like okay they're going to be a contender in a year mm-hmm. kind of roster. But I I fully expect them to, especially if Zion is fully healthy, um, this coming season. I I feel like they're going to be one of those top eight teams without much trouble because you know adding CJ really kind of helped. Um, you know, extend the court for guys like um, uh, Valanchunas and essentially Zion when he's back. You know, mm-hmm. the, the problem with Zion and Valanchunas together is that they're both, their games are both so predicated on playing inside the paint. And you take that without a lot of shooters around that, that really kind of clogs things up. So CJ was a huge yeah. addition, I think, um, for both obviously this last season and for, you know, the year coming up. Um, other than those, you know, guys, I mean, I, I like the little, the, you know, diamonds in the rough. They find like Al- Alvarado. I think he's a, a super fun player. Um, I like, you know, I, I like Jackson Hayes a lot coming in. I'm not as, as sold on him any longer. Yeah. Um, so outside of him, Herbert Jones was another diamond in the rough. I think they found that yep. was a really solid player. Um, Kira Lewis Jr., I like better than some probably, um, but we haven't seen a ton of him, so who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, it's he's he's pretty young. Um, I I still like Larry Nance Jr. who's who's there. Um, you know, so they have a lot of pieces that I like that make them a kind of a gritty team. You know, when we talked about you know what Conley had spoke about with the Wolves of wine that create an identity that has some grit to it, they have some guys that fit that mold. Yeah, you know, McCollum's been a guy that I think. Not necessarily because of his fit on the Timberwolves or because he would make any sense here, but because he's been in the rumor mill for so long that, you know, people, you know, throughout the league have spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, whether or not he'd be a player they'd like, whether he's worth his contract. And I think he's found a really good home there. Um, it, it will be very interesting this, this upcoming season if Williamson is healthy to see McCollum, Ingram, and Zion all share the ball handling responsibilities. Because before Zion went down, you know, last year, They've been using him a lot as a pick-and-roll ball handler towards the end of the 2020-2021 season. So with the with the emergence of Ingram as, as kind of their lead guy and then McCollum coming in in the second half of the season and really providing a spark, 
they'll have some figure you know some figuring out to do in terms of who's going to be the the alpha on that team in terms of you know offensive creation you know it's very similarly to what Minnesota dealt with this last year with D'Lo Ant and Carl so you know you but you said one thing you said you think that they'll be top eight in the west without much difficulty I think it would be an interesting exercise just to walk through the teams that were essentially you know in the top 10 11 in the west last year and see which one we think they're going to pass or if they're going to pass a couple of them you know it would be interesting you know for myself to consider the Suns as a team that's going to fall off that drastically, you know, out of the top eight this upcoming year. I see a fall off coming for them, but I don't know if it's going to happen this upcoming yeah, year. Yeah, I don't think that beyond um, top eight, I don't think them them falling out. I think that'd be a tough one. Yeah, and the Grizzlies, like, I could very well, like, the Grizzlies went from play-in to the number two seed. I would need to probably see that one more year before I'd, I'd consider them a lock for a top four seed. The West is so dynamic in terms of where teams fall every single year i could see them going all you know being number two again i could also see them in the play-in i could not see them outside of the top eight i don't see them outside top eight but i I could see them kind of like new orleans this year where they just kind of make top eight by the skin of their teeth because as you pointed out they they went from a play-in to the two c last year they're a fun story like the wolves were yep to me but I don't. I didn't feel like they were that tough either. Like I felt like the Wolves lost that series more than the Grizzlies won that series. Yep. And I felt like the you know the Warriors were just clearly overmatched them as well. So I I just don't know that. I think the Wolves Grizzlies part two. If they were to face each other again in the playoffs next year, I I think it'd be tough for the Grizzlies to win more than one game in that series. So I could see them dropping all the way to that eight spot, with, you know, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. The Warriors should be back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, I you know I'm watching the finals right now, especially after a game one loss. And in, in my heart of hearts, I'm like, oh man, maybe this is like a 2004 Lakers type situation where Detroit just came in and pounded them, and then the Lakers broke up, and we didn't hear from them again for for seven more years. But I don't think that's necessarily the case with this Golden State team. They have too many like. They're getting older, but I don't think they're that old, and they don't have any internal conflict that's going to cause them to. And they got a lot of nice young pieces on that team, like Gary Payton, um, Jordan Poole. They have. It's not like it's all old, yeah. you know. Like yeah, yeah, you know, Draymond's getting older, Steph's older, but I mean, Jordan Poole feels like a, a poor man Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who knows what they do with Wiggins? Um, but you know, they. Yeah, I don't. I think they'll probably. Uh, so far, of the teams we went through, I think they're the most likely to be number one. Right, I agree. Uh, Mavericks, like, I I look at the roster, and I'd say that's a team that's ripe for a downfall, but I said that after the trade deadline when they got rid of Porzingis, and Luka just seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable, a little bit better every year, and if he can take the challenge to come into camp in shape next year, I think they're, they're going to be right back up there. And whether that means a, a one seed, a two seed, or a six seed, I, I don't think that you have any idea, because like I said earlier, the West is is so in flux, but I don't see them really going anywhere. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they're falling out of the top eight for sure. Yeah. I, but yeah, they're a wild card to me. I could see them anywhere in the two to eight spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, it's they're a weird team. You know, like you, all the reasons you pointed out. I mean, who knows what happens with Brunson? Yeah. Um, gonna... They, they, they need a second star on yep. that team. Um, and I, I think Brunson's more of a third star. Um, and in order to compete, they certainly don't need a a second star to to do what they did this past year. Obviously, you know, Luca's that good. Um, but yeah, I, I, they could be one of the teams I could see New Orleans passing. Yeah, it's possible. 
you know, and it's just kind of, you know, we'll talk about them more after we finish up with New Orleans here. But so we have the Mavericks, the Jazz, they are seriously in flux right now. Who knows what their roster is going to look like next year with either Gobert or Mitchell. Both seem to be unhappy with their current situations and whether they get rid of one or both or try to run it back, who knows. But yeah, I think they're in free fall. I mean, I think the ownership group doesn't know what to do with them. I, I just, the players, like you said, are disgruntled, you know. You got Ingles, who suffered a bad injury this mm-hmm. past season. Who knows where they end up? Um, if this, that's the first team I think drops out of the top eight. It's possible. It's definitely possible. I mean, if they run it back, they have too much talent to not at least be a playoff team. I just don't necessarily see them running it back though. Ainge is too much of a, a free trade, a free wheeler. You know, for, uh, what would it be free wheeling, free trader, free. Uh, Free spirit. I, I have no idea what I'm trying to say here, but he's <laughs> he's too open to moving guys to really be too invested in the guys that they've just had there for too long. Uh, so then that brings us to the Nuggets, and I I'm not the world's largest Jamal Murray fan. I'm also not the world's largest MPJ fan. But if they both come back healthy, there's no reason to think that Jokic isn't going to carry them to a top six seed next year. They're so similar to Dallas in that. For me personally, Jokic and Luca. Mm-hmm. were the two clear best players this year. I think Embiid would be in that top three as well. But I would take either Luka or Jokic over Embiid for what they do. I don't think Embiid carry, well, clearly he doesn't carry a team by himself. Yeah. He hasn't been able to. What about Giannis? Giannis is up there as well, obviously okay. Giannis. MVP. But Giannis has always had help as well. I mean, like, look, I think Jokic or Luka would kill for a Middleton and a Drew Holiday. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they don't have either of those guys. And so I just... To me, I, again, yeah, they're, all these guys are great, mm-hmm. right? But they're when you're when you're really nitpicking the the tiers. To me, Luca and Jokic are kind of in a tier of their own. Okay, um, and and it's a short, like it's not like it's a, a drop off after to the next tier where where guys like Giannis or Embiid are, are in there. But um, it's just my personal preference. I don't think there's many players in the entire league that would have gotten the Nuggets into the playoffs. No, yeah, by themselves. Jokic, I, Jokic deserved I, I that MVP. Say, yeah, even I don't even think Luca would have taken that roster to a playoff spot the way um, Jokic did. So, mm-hmm. and, and credit, you know, good coaching. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I'm not a huge Murray or MPJ fan either, um, or a big Aaron Gordon fan. Like, I'm just not a big fan of any of their other pieces, which is as individuals, you know, as a whole, they work because they. This is another team where everybody kind of plays the role that they're best suited to be in. Yeah. And that's what makes them dangerous. That That's what makes them, again, so many of these teams in the West are potential top three teams or outside the top eight yeah. teams. You know, yeah. it's it's a really weird uh, conference. And I think that includes our Minnesota Timberwolves, who came in at seven last year. We could, we've talked about at, at length how we could see them being a, a home court playoff team in the first round next year, but... With the other challenges that are coming, we're, we've been talking about the Pelicans. We're going to talk about the Clip, the Clippers. You know, with the guys they have coming back and healthy, it's going to be tough to unless they make some significant moves or really have some guys that take a leap to feel confident that you're going to move up at all in this conference. Yeah, I mean, I think again, the Wolves fit in that. I agree that where they could be anywhere from three to ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think between the Wolves, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Mavericks, and even the Grizzlies, I think the Wolves have more pieces that can take another step than any of those other teams have. Yeah. I don't think any of those guys, any of those other teams have a Jaden McDaniels. I don't think any of those other teams have a guy like a Jalen Noel who could become a borderline starter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they their stars aren't as young as our stars. You know, like yeah, John Morant's a young player, but he's still older than Ant. Cats that's basically a year older than Desmond Bain, which sounds crazy, or you know, two years older. I mean, it's they're all close in age, um, and and the Wolves there's still so much untapped potential. So that's where I see the Wolves, even if they made no other moves. Yeah. I still see the Wolves as a lock in the top eight, um, it, barring any sort of significant injury. But yeah, they could be, like I said, as high as three or as low as eight. Yeah. You know, and then the, the Clippers were right ahead of the Pelicans and the Spurs and Lakers are right behind them. I don't think anybody expects the Lakers to not do anything this off season, but how do you have any confidence in the, in the, front office group that they've put together to put together a winner in the upcoming season. They haven't, except for the one bubble year, they really haven't shown anything. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can take a leap back into the, into the playoffs, but it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting with this Western conference. And that was more of an aside from our normal conversation, but it was just kind of, it's not something that anybody's going to be surprised by how deep this conference is, but it's just kind of fun to take a look at and see where we expect teams to fall. fall yeah. So do season. you, do you think there's seven teams that or say eight teams that, are ahead of the Pelicans next year? I mean, I think it's it's hard to say because we haven't seen Zion in over a year. Mm-hmm. But if he comes back as what he can be, and I'm going to see need to see a little bit of improvement from him. He can't just pick up exactly where he was because he still wasn't a good defender when he left, although he made their offense really, really good. Um, but they were top eight without him, right? And that was with a half a season of CJ McCollum. Well, they were they were nine. They were ninth last year, six games behind the Clippers for the eighth spot. But so, they, yeah, but they beat them to get the play. Yeah, yeah. So they they beat them to get into the playoffs. So they'd have to either pass the Clippers, who they get Kawhi back. They'd have to pass the Timber, or they'd have to pass the Timberwolves, who I think we're both hoping stay ahead of them. You know, or you know, they just have to pass the Jazz, which is a team that we kind of identified, and everybody has kind of identified as a team in flux and a team that could fall out this year, but. Um, there was a 15 game difference between the two teams. And if you think the jazz are going to fall off by 10 games and the Pelicans are going to gain 10 games, then yeah, they get that they get there, but it's just a matter of what the off season brings and where they end up. So, um, I think, I think they're in that group. Like you said, they could be anywhere from three to 10. So it's, it's kind of interesting, uh, looking forward at it, but, but yeah, you know, like the Pelicans are at a weird spot. They already have 14 players under contract and they're right up against the luxury tax line. So their off season could either be very quiet or they could start combining salaries with guaranteed contracts into, you know, one larger salary, or they could look to move off of guys. Um, but they don't have a lot of flexibility, at least money wise to just tinker around the edges. They're kind of locked in where they're at. Uh, they have the eighth pick this year. So they could choose to do something with that. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. seems to be a guy that they brought in last year, but I don't know if he has a starting spot. I don't know if that's important to him. Um, he also doesn't necessarily fit with Zion coming back and taking over kind of that start that that role. So um, they've got a few pieces that are nice, a few pieces that you could move around. Um, do you see anything that would make sense for the Wolves, Chad, in terms of making an offer? So I don't know if the Wolves would do this, and I'm I'm less... Um, I'm less desperate to move D'Lo than you are, mm-hmm. but the one move that I, and and this is one you probably would say no to, even though you're the one that's more <laughs> apt to want to get rid of D'Lo, but sending D'Lo to the, the Pelicans for Valanchunas and Devontae Graham. Now, the reason why they do it, it, it adds one more 
shooter to that mix. Mm-hmm. Um, it adds another sort of as well. Delo described himself as a combo guard, even though I think he's more of a point guard than CJ McCollum is. But a McCollum Delo backcourt is interesting to me. Yeah, um, it's it's sort of sort of like Dame and CJ, but they they have very different styles. Delo and Dame have very different styles. Um, I defensively, that's probably a mess. Yeah. Um, but you know, they got guys like Herbert Jones who are, are solid defensively. I think Ingram can be a solid defender. Um, you know, so, and then they got Alvarado who is just like, you know, a spark plug, you know, that they can plug in there, you know, to play with one of those two guys as well. Um, so I, it's just kind of my love of Valanchunas of Like, I think he instantly makes the Wolves a threat because now all of a sudden you have like a, a bona fide big man, mm-hmm. you know, to play alongside cat. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe you expand that deal to make it a little bit more even where you send Nas there as well. Cause Nas might be the perfect center to play alongside Zion. Sure. Again, defensively that whole team's a mess then cause you have Zion and, and Nas is in, in your post, but he does, he does offer skills that Zion doesn't have, which is the problem here is Nas is just a poor man's version of cat. He doesn't do anything different. And um, so I, it's not necessarily something I would I would do, but it's something that it's of the so far above all the teams we talked about. It's the one that I'm the most willing to listen to. Sure. I could see. I mean, I could see that conversation taking place. Graham has three years left on his deal at eleven point five million and Valanchunas has two years at almost 15 million. So I'm not I, I don't know off the top of my head whether or not that money would make, would work out. It'd be about twenty five million for thirty one million coming back in. So, for the, I believe I checked it on the trade checker, so and it went through. It oh. might it might succeed. Like I said, they are right up against that luxury tax line. So you might need to do a Nas for, you know, Jackson Hayes, you know, to or a Nas for Larry Nance Jr. or something like that to make the money even out. I don't know if they have if they have another player on their roster. You know, maybe it's Garrett Temple. You know, that's coming back. You know to make that money even out so they're not over the luxury tax. But um, I could see those conversations at least happening. Um, the only one I came up with was, I, this was one of the few teams I didn't come up with a D-Lo trade, oddly enough. Um, I came up with uh, Beasley for Nance and Hayes. So I'm not sure. I, I can't remember off the top of my head what they traded to get Larry Nance this, this last offseason. So it might be, it might have been more than... Uh, they would feel would make this trade worth it. They might want to look to get more back if they're going to send Nance out, even with the the front court glut with Zion coming back. But they could definitely use some more shooting around McCollum and Zion and Ingram, especially guys who don't have to have the ball in their hands to to hit those shots. So I could see Beasley being a very good fit there, um, and and the money would would work out. It would definitely help Minnesota in the front court. But that's a lot of it's a lot of front court value for New Orleans to be sending out just for for Beasley. Yeah, I'd be interested in that. I mean, even if it was Nance and somebody else that they they're, they're able to keep Hayes, who's mm-hmm. young, and maybe it's you know Nance and you know Garrett Temple or right. something, right? Um, in that deal, then you know, and then the Wolves just wave Temple or you know, I don't know that he has a spot here. Um, but I I would if if the primary pieces are Beasley for Nance, I'd be for all for that. Yeah. So that's about all I came up with. It would. It would be a team that would make sense to have conversations around because they have a lot of pieces and they're going to need to figure out which ones are important to them moving forward. Um, I even like Trey Murphy, who was a, you know a rookie last year, a good shooting forward for them. Um, 
I'm not as big into Devontae Graham, like, and especially, like I said, because he has three years left on that contract. But I don't think anybody's... But it's, a, it's very minimal money. I'm not big on... Yeah, nobody's making a trade for Graham. He's not the right. the primary piece coming back. So um, lots of interesting pieces, and they're going to have to do something to, to round it out. But uh, let's move on to the Dallas Mavericks, a team that we just saw in the Western Conference Finals and we just briefly discussed in our Western Conference rundown. They don't necessarily have a lot of top-end talent, which makes what Luka did getting them to where they got to even more impressive. Um, it makes coming up with a trade a little bit difficult or a little bit tricky because we don't have top-end talent to send to them if that's what they're looking for. If they're looking for a second star next to Luka, um, if they're just looking to duck the luxury tax, then maybe there's some deals built around there. But what are some pieces that you like on that roster? Um, there's a handful of guys I like, um, I, you know, similar to you, I wasn't able to find a lot that works. Um, I think Burkins would be interesting here, but Mm -hmm. at his salary, I don't think he's necessarily the guy I want to spend $60 million on. Right. Um, so kind of what I was looking at was something around, again, I, I kind of centered the trades I even look for around Delo, just be kind of keep us from arguing <laughs> so that's a guy you want to get rid of and, and more so because i know i was saying no to a lot of the trades that you uh pitched for d mm-hmm. and so i was just trying to find stuff that i'd be like ah i would listen to a conversation on this not yeah. saying i would do it and yeah. and that's very much the way this one fits and i would it would be um dwight powell and spencer dinwiddie for d yeah. and i probably like it better for dallas than i do minnesota i yeah. think powell does help us as a rim protector um he can do some things but i don't know that he immediately pushes vando to the bench like he would kind of be in that nas spot more mm-hmm. so than in that vando spot and then um dinwiddie i think does enter the starting line i, I still would rather start him over beverly just if nothing else to spare beverly for you know some of those more important games um and i like dinwiddie i've always been a fan of dinwiddie um but I don't think he's as good as D'Lo. No. So I think, but I do like it for Dallas. I think D'Lo with Luca, super interesting. So if there was, I know there was like a little bit of a rumor a month or so ago about maybe a sign and trade for Brunson, mm-hmm. D'Lo for Brunson. And if that came to fruition, I think that'd be preferable for the Wolves. Yep. Um, but I, you know, D'Lo with Luca is super intriguing to me. I think that's where, I think Dallas... And that situation unlocks Delo's full potential. Yeah, I could see. I could see that being a very good fit for Delo. Um, like you said, I'm not sure if it makes as much sense for Minnesota, mainly because I, I I'm not as big of a fan of Dinwiddie as you are. I think the last since he got his extension, I think he really he really struggled in Washington. I don't don't know if he showed enough with a change of scenery to make me feel like that that contract is worth you know moving forward with. I also came up with a with a trade for them. Once again, you're the one with the Delo trade. I'm the one with the with a non Delo <laughs> trade. So we kind of we kind of flop roles on these last two teams. Um, so this, but this is actually the first trade I've come up with that includes a guy that we would consider one of our maybe not core pieces, but one of our our fringe core pieces. Part of the value in Dwight Powell is that they were able to pair him with Maxi Kleba, and they were able to have two different bigs that they could put out for different reasons and different defenses dif- different offenses depending on the matchups which i think is why they were able to be so successful against multiple different types of teams so with both of them being on the last year of their contract what would you say to a deal of beasley and vanderbilt for powell and kleba 
Um, I mean, I, I like both Paul and Kleber. Mm-hmm. I, I think what it does is it gets us so many front court players all of a sudden because we still have Nas. We don't have Vanderbilt anymore, though. But we don't have Vando. Yeah. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's it's weird because it's not the, we don't really have a prototypical four. We kind of have like three tweener centers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, plus Cat, who's also a tweener center. So, yeah, it's, I don't know, I'd have to think about it. I mean, I don't hate it. Yeah. I It's just one of those ones that's hard for me to digest in a vacuum of, you know, without any other moves on the horizon um because i think i would want to make a move you know to move nas further than maybe a wing of some kind or something right you'd have your three your three-man front court rotation would probably not include nas right since all three of those other guys can play power forward if you need them to right um and it's not necessarily a trade that i can see um dallas having to do they do have a lot of guards you know if tim hardaway comes back healthy this year he kind of fills that beasley role for them Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they need bigs. They need kind of, a, they have Finney Smith to play power forward, but he's not a, he's not a big, big. So Vanderbilt would kind of be their de facto starting center at that point. So they'd probably need to make another move, uh, for that trade to make sense for them. The only thing is, like I said, they are bumping right up against the luxury tax. Powell and Kleba are on expiring deals. So if they'd like to get some longer term contract value, you know, especially with Vanderbilt's low number, you know, rather than re-signing either of them to, to longer term deals, I could see them maybe kicking the tires on something like that for Minnesota. I could see why they would do it. It would be hard to trade Vando, especially with the year he just had. But if you're bringing in two bigs that you trust instead of one, you know, maybe that's where you can talk yourself into it. I don't like, I I don't know if this is something that either team would ever actually pull the trigger on or would, would say yes to, but um, I thought, like you said, I think it was something that's worth, worth considering. At least, at least makes you think. Yep. So, all right, and yeah. closing out the Southwestern Division, we have the Memphis Grizzlies, a team that we became intimately familiar with about a month ago. Uh, John Morant, Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams, David Tillian, Brandon Clark, you know, one after another after another, guys that are able to come in and just be good, solid players, and it's not even mentioning their free agent point guard, Tyus Jones, who we've discussed in past episodes. So I think there is... I don't know. There's a lot to like on that team. There are a lot of players that we obviously um, have a different opinion on than some other teams and other fan bases do because we just saw them beat us in the playoff series. But uh, except for just coming up with a deal to get some of the players that killed us off of their team, is there anything that you like on that roster? I mean, I like a ton of their players as well. Yeah. You know, I, I just, man, they just do a, such a good job in the fringes of the people they add. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all the guys, like, their role player, they probably have the best group of role players in the league, you know? Um, and so they're all those are the type of guys I would be after. It's just, it's so hard to make a deal. I mean, their most, their highest paid players making 17 million. And that's Steven Adams. Who's not even really part of their future. Yeah. Um, obviously Jaws going to get a max deal. Um, you know, so he'll be paid really high, but they don't really have a true second star. I was, I was a big Jaron Jackson believer early yep um but watching him more this year the four games in the regular season and then in the playoffs i'm just not that impressed um i don't think he's the a draymond green type player I, mm-hmm. I just think he's a you know i think he's an okay player i just don't think he's a star right like i'm not saying he's not a starter or he's not a a rotational guy he definitely is he's just not i think when people thought he would be that second 
star next to jaw. I don't think that's true. Um, similar with Bane. Now Bane, I'm a lot more impressed by, Yeah. but I don't, again, he's guys like that are sort of limited in what they can do. Cause he's not like a James Harden where he's going to be able to, you know, pass the Harden's ability or rebound and do the other things besides shoot. He's, he's kind of like a buddy healed or a Tim Hardaway jr. Or one of those types of guys that, you know, maybe he becomes a more clutch version of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't see him being a second or even a third star. He's kind of like that fourth guy to me on a, on a really good team. Um, now, obviously that sounds weird because they were, you know, they, they beat the wolves in the first round and, right. and, and right. that was with him. It's sort of their second guy. Um, but I just, you know, if they really want to be serious about it, like he, he just, Again, talking about teams that have guys that fit their role and can play into that role and excel there, I think for him that has to be a third or fourth option. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to Andrew Wiggins' role in Golden State, right? Sure. Yep. If he can play off of other dynamic players. The reason he was so good against us was because we we sold out to stop John Morant, and right. that left Desmond Bain available to kill us, and he did. And he's capable of doing that the same way Andrew Wiggins is. But do you want to pay $25 million a year you know, for a guy like that? Do you want to pay... 30 million a year you know what's he going to demand when he comes up for a contract extension and they don't have to worry about that yet but it will come you know in the future especially with jaw and probably a super max jaron jackson you know demanding you know first team all defense max you know maximum contract extension whatever it happens to look like so they're going to have some interesting decisions to make um it will be interesting to see what they do this year without tyus if for some reason he were to sign elsewhere to get a starting role you know, they won 90% of their games with jaw out last year. I doubt that will happen again, especially if they don't have that, that built in replacement. Um, they will get more health, you know, out of Dylan Brooks. He was gone for most of the year. Um, they need to figure out kind of the rotation in the front court, you know, whether or not it's Clark or it's Tillman or, you know, if they're going to lean on Adams again. Um, I feel like they kind of were in flux a little bit, although it worked out for them. So I'm not going to give them too much grief there, but um, the only deal I came up with was taking advantage of the fact that they were so successful without solid, you know, big contributions from either Brooks or Clark, and those are two guys that kind of killed the Wolves in our in our playoff series of doing, you know, offering them Beasley and nineteen for Brooks and Clark. Um, I'm not sure that really. I'm. I think if Memphis fans were listening to this podcast, they'd already be throwing something at me, trying, you know, saying no way we would ever do that since Beasley didn't get, even get on the court in our playoff series, and Brooks and Clark, you know, killed you guys, but. I think they were they won 56 games without either of them as primary contributors. Um, they've got contract decisions to make on both of them, um, but once again, I don't know. I don't know how that makes a ton of sense for them. And then even for Minnesota, like Memphis already decided not to have Beverly and Brooks on the same team, so I think that would be a, an a, a, a what's the word a combo. What do you put to put two oils or two acids together? What do you what do you call it? It's a I don't know. I'm searching for a word here. I can't find it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they match very yeah. well either. I yeah. think Brooks is definitely their Beverly. I honestly don't like Brooks. I don't like him. I don't like his game at no. all. Yeah. Um. So I, but but Clark, I love. So I get that Brooks is really just the salary filler for Beasley. I mean, and he has a spot, right? Mm-hmm. Like he can do, he can add things to your. Like he's a a tough, gritty defender. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give him all that. Like I, he is, but he's also like Beverly gets a little too confident in his shot and will just be a black hole when he yeah. touches the ball. He just starts chucking in, and you know he was hot in one game and yep. like cold in every other one. And so he's just not 
the type of player I really want on this team because he's the type of guy that's going to take shots away from your best players like exactly. Pat and, and Ant. And I just don't think we need guys like that. We need guys that are going to accept the role they're in, which is why Clark would fit so beautifully because he is one of those types of guys. Um, so yeah, it's it's dicey trying to find anything that works with these with between the Wolves and the Grizzlies because of the the way their salary structure. You know, they have just a bunch of low salary players and the Wolves have a bunch of high like high or you know minimum type contracts mm-hmm. so it's um it is problematic and and the type of minimum got contracts that the wolves had you know like you know tillman i don't see the grizzlies giving up on tillman at his salary yet um for like even for like a guy like Nas um who could you know maybe like i don't think adams is part of their long-term plans i'm a huge steven adams fan but steven adams is a problem for today's nba like he's just it's tough to keep him on the court when he can't shoot and, yeah. you know, he's slower, kind of a lumbering big. Um, he's a throwback guy. And, um, but on the right team, I think he fits really well. Like I could see like the Lakers doing really well with the Steven Adams, with mm-hmm. his passing, being able to pass to a cutting LeBron or, you know, um, but for the Wolves, I don't, yeah, I think he would fit with the Wolves if the price was right. Right. Like if we didn't have to give up Beasley, not because I'm so, I want to hold on to Beasley, but, <clears throat> I want to hold on to that contract for a different deal. Um, so other than that, yeah, it's just, you know, tie us in a sign trade, but I don't see what we'd even offer Yeah, in that realm. You know, like I don't, I think Tyus is probably going to make more than Beasley. So it wouldn't be like a Beasley contract. Frankly, I don't know how you play Beasley with Bain either. Like they're kind of similar roles and you'd rather have Bain. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, is uh it's a tricky team to make a deal with, I think. It is. Volatile. Volatile was the word Volatile. I was looking for earlier. Yep. All right. So we'll we'll leave that one in since I eventually came up with it. But yeah. Just time. Yep, exactly. I like Steven Adams. I think he's going to have to be a guy like you're just gonna have to, like a lot of players, admit that there are gonna be some teams he can play against and some teams he can't play against. And if you have a team that and a coach that's willing to be flexible enough to, to mix things up to just kind of shelve him against a team like the Timberwolves and then use him significantly against a team like Golden State, then, you know, I think Taylor Jenkins did a really good job with that. And if your salary cap and your roster is structured in a way that you can put a $20 million guy or your guy on the bench for an entire playoff series and not have it kill you, then I think that's, you know, he can still have a a significant role against a lot of teams. There are just going to be some teams he can't get on the, on the floor against. So, um, so I, like you said, I think it's a very tricky uh, conversation i you know kyle anderson's gonna they have to decide whether or not they're gonna extend him or let him walk i don't know if he's necessarily a guy to fill in at that you know that other power forward spot we're looking for he's not an amazing rebounder which is kind of what we'd be looking for out of that spot and i people love you know quote unquote love watching slow-mo but it just drives me crazy i can't stand it's, it's it breaks the flow of the game and I, I don't even enjoy it anymore so um not necessarily something i'd be clamoring to bring onto the roster but they're, they're, I mean, they're a good team. You can't take that away from them. And it just, if things don't match up, things don't match up. It'd just be a hard team to call and, and propose things to. So I know we brought over Steve Sr. from their front office, but for the most part, he's here for player development, not, not necessarily for talent uh, evaluation. So uh, there might not be a fit there, but, that, you know, that was the Southwest Division. We're going to do the Pacific Division next, and then uh, we'll finally conclude our competitive analysis with coming back home for the Northwest Division. So, Chad, it's been a fun exercise. Let's, uh, let's do two more. Sounds good, man. All right, buddy. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye.